Hey mamas, welcome back. This is Rachel Norman, and this is part of your mom life mentorship, the wisdom framework. And we are on S for the shame swirl, how to break out of the relentless cycle of shame, guilt, feelings of failure and doom and gloom. So first for the W, we tackled the well three, three kids needs, three needs that kids and moms have that help you grow and keep you well. That's experience and um, power and connection. Then we went to I, the I shift, how to stop feeling like a victim or at the whim of your kids, your house, your schedule, your life. And now we're on to the shame swirl. Boy, we're dealing with some fun stuff, aren't we, mamas? Okay. So this one, I said they're not in any particular order, but this one does build a little on some of the others. So if you haven't listened to either of the others, I would probably try to catch up on those before you do this one, just because I'm going to be repeating some of the things I talked about more in depth in the previous um, podcast episodes. So the first thing I want to talk about here when we're talking about the swirl of shame and just feeling guilt and feeling like I don't measure up and it's just like gloom and I'm just not good enough, these types of feelings. First, I just want to validate these feelings are very very deep. They often come from childhood. They're stronger than just a 30 minute podcast here, but this is going to get you thinking and I hope it's going to start breaking open and cracking some of these like hard block concrete thoughts and ways of being that we have had that have just kept us pinned in. Now, depending on what, you know, kind of uh, I don't know, what, the family life you came to, your nuclear family, the school you went to, the, the community, your faith community, that a lot of these different things, we can have different teaching that can cause us to just feel shame and guilt. So I do encourage you just in general, if you know you deal with this, to really get out some kind of journal, begin to get out some of these process, write down some of these feelings, because what I like to, and I actually have had a trauma therapist for various traumatic things that have happened. And one thing that he showed me, was this big ball of all of these twines of yarn. And he was like, if you just hold it and think, I want to get rid of all of this. Woohoo. That's not really how it works. It's like you pull one piece and as you pull it out, it kind of unthreads some of the other stuff. And this is kind of what this shame swirl can do. We can just feel like I'm not good enough. I don't do anything right. I'm a failure. And it just feels like this big black blanket on us. But if we actually sat down and got specific, I have failed at often what we find is we really haven't failed as much as we thought, or I am really bad at, we might not be really bad at that much, or I feel so guilty because I, and there might be some things in there, but it might not be as bad as we think. So I want us to make sure when we're thinking about this, that we're not just living in a big dark cloud of I'm not good enough. Because if we just say, actually, no, let me figure out why I'm thinking this. And we get down to the nitty gritty. Often we realize it doesn't really hold water. You know, that feeling goes away when we think, actually, I'm not that, I'm really not that bad about all these things I was feeling bad about. So the first thing I had in my notes here is we need to accept ourselves as we are. So I'm not saying we're going to accept our moral failings or pretend things are okay if we think they're bad or a sin or whatever. That's not what I mean. But we need to accept ourselves as we are because you don't grow from a fake point. That's like if you were in the GPS and you just entered your location as something like two hours away. It isn't going to make any sense. The directions aren't going to make any sense. You're not going to be able to get there because you're not even starting at the right starting point. We need to accept ourselves as you are, and you need to accept that you're doing the best you can, that you've always done more or less the best you could with what you had. And that while you're not perfect, you're always aiming to be better. You have to accept 
uh, accept this part of yourself, right? And you have to be accepting. As we talked about in the last episode about relentlessly, radically accepting, again, we're not accepting things we consider character flaws per se, but just our personalities. Like some moms literally consider their own personality to be morally wrong or, you know, just being more laid back. Oh, that all of a sudden makes them not acceptable. That's not the case. Or maybe you're more type B. So you think, well, I'm just not going to be good enough and, or, you know, or you're type A and you think, well, I'm just never going to be gentle and calm and peaceful. No, these things are not, are, we need to be able to accept parts of our temperaments, parts of our personality, our likes and our dislikes without heaping tons of shame on ourselves. Because if we grew up in an environment where we felt shamed or something happened young and it made us, you know, a divorce can often happen. Kids blame themselves. So then they just have this cloud of shame. Like, I guess it was my fault, you know? Well, then what you do is you spend a lot of time, many years collecting proof that you were right, that it was your fault that you're bad. And so what you end up in in a situation now is where you have collected tons of proof that says you're not good. And now you're, but you're feeling kind of miserable about it because you're like, it! I really try. I am not that bad. Why do I feel so horrible? You're in the habit of collecting proof. So what do we want to do? We want to start collecting proof the other direction. Okay. So the first thing I want you to ask yourself when you start, if you go into these moments of like introspection or over analysis, or you're like laying in bed thinking of all the things you did wrong, or you're like just feeling this icky feeling of shame or, you know, whatever is to have this thing. Why? do I think I'm always wrong? I would consider getting your journal, getting a piece of paper, getting out your phone, whatever. Why, why am I wrong? Why do I make bad choices? What is wrong with me? I want you to think about this. And the reason I say this is because most of the time, if you start thinking in these general terms, you're not going to have an answer. And it's going to become clear to you that this isn't a true sentiment about yourself. Why am I always wrong? Well, I'm always wrong because I'm always wrong. Well, I'm not always wrong. I'm wrong. I write a lot. Well, sometimes I'm wrong. Yes, sometimes I'm wrong. Well, it sometimes everybody's wrong. Yes or no? Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, you see what I mean? Once you start trying to make logical, rational, once you start trying to be more objective, once you start trying to quantify what you're talking about, it 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 gets rid of some of these uh phrases that just that that weigh you down that don't really make sense. Why am I always wrong? What is wrong about me? Why am I so bad? Ask yourself these questions and truly write them down because you're probably not going to find that, you know, you might find some things. Oh, because I don't do the laundry every day. Okay. So not doing the laundry every day makes me a bad person. Hmm. Does it? And then you're gonna be like, that's dumb. Of course it doesn't. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes I yell at my kids. So I'm, I'm just horrible. Okay. Have you ever met a mom who didn't yell at her kids? No. Do kids understand yelling? Do kids yell? Yes. Okay. Do I want to yell? No. Did When I yell, is it usually because they got really out of hand? Yeah. Okay. Do I want to do something different? Yeah. But am I really that weird or horrible because I yelled? No. No, I'm not saying you, you, again, I'm not saying pretend yelling is good. If you don't want to yell, you don't want to yell, but it's, it's, we're not going to make these blanket things about ourselves that just aren't always true. And when we try to get them down written on paper, this will really help us to stop that process. So the next thing I want to ask, if you're feeling these feelings of guilt or shame, or just like, I'm not good enough. I want to ask if you're in a comparison trap. So how much time do you spend comparing yourself? Who are you comparing yourself to? 
Are you comparing yourself to somebody on social media, somebody who seems to have their life all together? Are you comparing yourself to a friend? Are you comparing yourself to a fictitious person you've made up in your head that's perfect? I know that sounds silly, but I really believe that's what a lot of us do. We create a fictitious person in our head that does everything perfect. And then we stack up all of our uh, worst things or not amazing choices to this fictitious perfect person who does everything perfect. And we're like, see, I failed. They won. I lost. I'm a loser. I shouldn't even be a mom. No, this is no, no. So I want us to think, what are we comparing ourselves to? Am like, and on the times that, that I have just not done as amazing as I thought, what else was going on? I'm not saying this for you to aim, begin to aim low or for you to somehow excuse things that you've done that you didn't like. No, but I'm trying to get us to tease out some of the things that we've done with or what, what is it we think we're aiming for. In my book, If Mom Ain't Happy, I talk about whether we have standards that are just totally unrealistic and are never going to happen. Because if we have standards that are unrealistic and they're never going to happen, it's just we're, we've literally created a world for ourselves in which we're always going to fail. We set ourselves up to fail. And we talk about this and think about this with our kids. We would never purposely go just set them up to fail. We wouldn't create a scenario where they had to be able to handle a situation they couldn't handle. We wouldn't do that. We want to set our kids up to succeed. Well, do we set ourselves up to fail? Do we create standards for ourselves? Do we give expectations for ourselves that are literally never going to happen? And then we're like, I'm so bad. Like, do get out a pen and paper and make a to-do list that has five times the amount of things on it that's possible to get done. And then you get done three or four and then you're like, see, I was lazy. I'm not very efficient. If I was more efficient, like insert fictitious person, I would get tons of stuff done, but no, I'm not. Whereas really, there's no way you're going to get that amount of stuff done. There's no way. So we need to actually become more rational and become more realistic. Now, it can be often that some moms have very, very low to no standards for themselves, and they need to have slightly higher standards for themselves. But what often happens is moms have very high standards for themselves that they're never going to meet because it was impossible, and then they beat themselves up. But what happens when you beat yourselves up? Well, you break yourself down. When you beat yourself up, you break yourself down, and then you don't have the energy, the stamina, the encouragement, the aspiration, the motivation to do the next thing. So when you beat yourself, like when you beat yourself up, you break yourself down. So you have to think, if it, it, I need to be at least my best cheerleader. I need to be the one that's going to say, you know what? I can do this. I can do a little bit. I'm not all bad. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to have anybody else that stands up and does that. And in fact, it's not really anybody else's job to come over and make convince you that you're fit for your role because you just are. You just have to stop beating yourself down. So another phrase I often like to think of these phrases are kind of probably like journaling prompts in some ways is when you're feeling in this mood of like, I'm just not good enough and the comparison and all that type of stuff. I like to think, or maybe write out in your journal, type it, whatever. If I was perfect, then I would, and write all this out. And the reason I say, I like to write out and think in extremes because then our brain is just like, oh, okay, well that it, it shows us what truly was an extreme. And then we can come back around and make choices that aren't quite as extreme. And they make sense. Like if I was perfect, I would clean the house every single day and there would not be a single crumb on any of my counters. And every night my kids would have all the... You might start to do, when you do a, if I was perfect exercise, you might start to see that all of the things you write are actually things you think that you should be doing all the time. So then in this way, you're sort of unlocking this, oh, I actually do think I always need to be perfect. No wonder I'm perpetually disappointed with myself because in fact, I'm not perfect, but I am human, right? 
And a ne- the next thing I want us to think about if we're getting in this cycle of, you know, just guilt and shame and spiraling down is the difference between guilt and shame. And I feel like society is a bit at odds and at loose ends right now with this. And it's kind of acting like that all shame is bad when really I just don't think all shame is bad. But guilt, there is a difference between guilt and shame. So guilt will tie to a certain action. So if you start feeling this just blanket gross feeling of I'm horrible, then you can think, what do I feel guilty about? And then get as specific as possible. It might be, I feel guilty because I'm a failure to mom. Okay, that's too general. How did how am I a failure today? How am I a failure of a mom today? Well, I'm a failure of a mom because I was trying to cook and my child came up and wanted to talk to me and I just didn't have time to talk to him at that point. Okay, so I'm a failure of a mom because while I was busy, I didn't stop what I was doing to talk to my child. Okay. Do, did I make time later to talk to them? Maybe yes, then you can just drop the whole thing. If not, okay. Can I make time tomorrow? Yes. Okay. So I'm feeling this blanket sense of I'm a horrible mom because I didn't stop what I was doing right now in this moment to talk to my child. Well, what you see what I mean? It's, and then this might go into a little bit. Actually, I feel guilty I didn't. I'm guilty. I should have stopped what I was doing. Would something have burned? Was there, was, was the need for to continue cooking dinner just logically a bit more, you know, important than that talk at that moment? Is that talk something that could have been done another time? Yes. Okay. So the more you practically get in and tease it out, sometimes you feel shame for things you don't even need to feel guilty about because you didn't actually do anything wrong. It just is like, it just, because you think anytime my kids ever look at me in the eye and ask me something, I should stop everything that I'm doing and pay total attention to them. And if I don't, they're going to be so super damaged. Well, this is just an impossible. I mean, you may as well just start making an account where you're saving up for all their, you know, trauma therapy because they're all doomed because literally no parent in, on the earth can do this. But what you might find sometimes is that you're like, I feel this horrible sense of shame. Ooh, okay, what do I actually, is it, did I do anything to feel guilty for? And if the answer is yes, write it down. What is it? And then you can think, okay, how can I repair this? Is You know, maybe it was yelling. And so maybe the way you'd repair it is just apologizing and saying, I lost my temper. You would understand. All kids understand because kids lose their temper and they yell all the time. So I lost my temper. I didn't have self-control. I apologize for that. Um, you know, don't grovel, just model how an apology should look. And then if there's something that needs to happen next time to where the situation doesn't get so bad, then you can do that. And then after that, you just have to brush it off and keep moving because you're only human, right? And think about this. Do you want your kids to beat themselves up as bad as you beat yourself up? If the answer is no, then don't model that for them. So if you, if you're feeling this horrible sense of shame, and you don't even think you, and then you think, did I do anything to feel guilty for? And you didn't, then you have to start teasing out, start journaling, you know, like I just, I just feel so horrible. Why? Why? Where did this come in? Why do you feel this way? Well, like just d- keep digging, keep going further and further until you have a little more clarity because these big, huge black blankets that c- they are not if we take them off, we can get a little bit of clarity of the situation or even what triggered me to feel this way. You know, the next thing I want to say when we're feeling this shame swirl is, is this a moral issue or is it a preference issue? Because sometimes moms can feel such shame over things that are not even moral. There is no right and wrong about this, but yet you're feeling so guilty. So it's like to use an earlier example from another podcast, you know, say your kids want to go 
to the park or they want to go to the movies or they want to do something maybe that's expensive and you don't have the money for, right? So this is not it right or wrong. You can do it or not do it. It's not like it was wrong if you did either choice. But moms can feel so guilty, you know? So this is when you're like, was my, is my, if it's going on in the present, is my feeling, are my feelings reasonable? Like, is my, say you are like, okay, we can't do this. We don't have the money. Is that reasonable? Is it responsible even? Is the reason you feel bad just because they're unhappy? Did you learn that everybody else's happiness was your responsibility? Do you feel like if your kids are unhappy, then that means you did something wrong? Or do you think, well, sometimes people are just unhappy and that's just how it goes? Start to dig a little into why it might be that your kids just being unhappy makes you feel bad or okay, we can't afford to do this. Well, does that bring shame? Like I should be able to afford anything my kids want to do anytime. Well, the more you use this extreme type language with yourself, this can help you to get it, get clear inside yourself. You know, you think, well, actually, no, it's okay if the kids, because if you start keeping digging, you'll be like, well, actually it's okay that the kids couldn't do that because you know, we have movies at home we can watch. We pay streaming services. We can stream a movie or we can play a board game together. Like as don't allow yourself to stay in the swirl shame kind of pity cycle, get specific so that you can pull out of it. And that way you can get some more clarity. So another thing I've noticed, and this might help you realize if you're staying in that shame cycle or if you're not, is are you using language like always or never? So now this can be down a little bit to personality. They say, you know, firstborns, only children often use always and never. It's like, but this is actually in the language of listening. This is actually an immature child. I know I've totally come from this. I very much find myself saying you always or I always and having to circle back. So there's no shame on anybody for this. But this is actually how children are. They live in a world of now is always, no is never. So this is why if you take your kids to do one, they say one day after school, you take them and get, you know, just snack from the convenience store. Every day they think this is going to happen. And if it doesn't, every day they bring it up because something that happens because kids live in the present. So something that happens now, they're like, this is always happening. Oh, yeah. Or it's why if if you're in the store and you're like, nope, I'm not going to let you have that snack, you know, whatever, you're not going to buy the Reese's. And you say, no, they're like, I'm never going to get sweets. Even if you're like, we're literally going to go home and we have ice cream. No, because they live in the, if it's not now, it's never. So this is actually, now I'm speaking to the choir here again, but this is kind of, if we're finding, we're like, I always, I never. This is actually quite an immature, I say this to help us realize we can change. That's why I say that. No, no shame about this. It's actually an immature way of thinking about it. Nothing is all, okay. Some things, I guess the sun rises every morning. That's an always, but as with people and human relationships, most things are not always or never. And when we use those, we, we bring a lot of shame on ourselves or others. So it'd be often I don't finish everything on my to-do list. Or days I'm overwhelmed, I don't finish everything on my to-do list. This is another example of getting more and more specific instead of always. I always yell. Well, is that true? Are you literally yelling 24-7? Okay, no, I don't always yell. Okay, well, do you mostly yell? No. Do you occasionally yell? Yes. What do you usually, what is usually happening when you yell? Somebody's hitting each other. Okay, now we're brought this whole thing. I always yell and I'm horrible down to I occasionally yell when my kids are hitting each other. But this is kind of reasonable. You you thought you would yell to break the moment so they would stop hitting. This isn't some crazy reaction. Do you see what I mean? We want you, I want you to, and this is my next and last point, is to make yourself right. 
Okay, I'm not saying we make things that we consider moral failures right, but if we're having certain reactions, then we need to think, well, this isn't all that wrong. It does make sense. You know, why or or like if you're feeling guilty because say you didn't have you think and I had this a mother said this um I don't know if it was this week, sometime we were talking about spending time with our kids and many moms feel like they should just, there's no amount of time that would satisfy what they think that they should spend with their kids. So say they take every kid out for a little date every single